Yeah, you can use my voice on the air. I don't care because you're just an idiot moron on YouTube, dude. You have no talent. You suck. And you know what, bro? Your video of takedown of Tommy Loren and her rant on the Beyonce Super Bowl halftime show. Listen, buddy, go fuck yourself. You suck, dick. Go back in the... I don't know where the fuck you're from, dude, but you have absolutely no talent. You're right. So, you know what? It's Black Lives Matter bullshit. Listen, dude. What about White Lives Matter, my friend? You stupid fucking idiot. Go fuck yourself, okay? Because your show sucks. You suck. Go get a life, you pussball. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Welcome to the show. Episode 203 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host. Jesse Dollimore sitting across from me, the lovely and talented as ever, Brittany Page. See, people probably wonder why you sometimes start the show laughing. And that would be because I'm so funny that you just can't help but laugh at the things I do before the show. Well, in this case, it wouldn't so much be how funny you are as to how funny you're being while whining about while while whining cool whip about your neck well my neck hurts real bad <laughs> so i don't know why you would be laughing about my hurt neck because that seems kind of hateful well it's it stems from the sound check we just did some, no, don't some, not play it no i didn't Do not, okay. I, I, I deleted okay. it okay <laughs> but sometimes well every time before we do the show i will do a sound check real quick and record just a real quick snippet of us talking just to make sure everything's on the up and up. Mm-hmm. And what I just did, I clicked start or I clicked record prior to Brittany being aware of it. And this is what I heard. <laughs> uh, I'm like, what is going on? She's like, my neck really hurts really bad. Okay. that. <laughs> Wow, what a prick. That is not very nice. Wow. That is not very nice, sir. Very accurate, though. I have been whining about my neck because I must have slept on it wrong. Well, I think it, it might be a, like a self-fulfilling prophecy after I talked about the Batman, how people will turn when <laughs> that, their neck is cricked. That is exactly what happened. You've been like a, a geriatric Batman <laughs> with your your head tilted to the side like you're a... A puppy who hears a curious noise. Yeah, yeah. I, for, I look like Marnie, Marnie the dog on Instagram. <laughs> That's how I look. Right, right. Without the tongue sticking out. Yes. Well, we are. Uh, we're here. We're ready to do a a beautiful Sunday show. Before Palm Sunday. Before oh, it is Palm Sunday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I got fired once on Good Friday. Oh, which is this coming Friday, I believe. That's mean. Well, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do. Sometimes you just got to get fired. (laughs) Well, it's what they had to do. Mm -hmm. Contract ended. What what happens? I think they could have picked a better day. Mormon company. Bastards. Anyway, you're you're sidetracking me here. What I want to talk about before we get started 
is about beards. Let's let's lay off, men. And I'm a beard bearded guy. I was going to say I'm a beard guy, but I'm not really a beard guy. I'm just a guy with a beard. Mm-hmm. We, we could lay off any time. Well, because you get a lot of love for your beard. Well, it's that, that's exactly right. In fact, I think it's that's a perfect way to segue into what I want to talk about. It's I know when it's time to trim down my beard when random dudes tell me, hey, man. Nice beard. They give me the old thumbs up. And not even in like a sexual, you're a pretty hot, you know, way too hairy kind of guy. Mm. It, it's it's a weird like admiration kind of thing. Like, hey, man, thumbs up. Yeah, bro. Yeah, good job growing that beard. Yeah, good job on you the beard. You have a lot of control over your facial hair enough. and whether or not you have the ability to grow a beard. Enough already. Stop it. Because to me, all that says is, oh, Okay. It's time to trim it on down to more of a business. So it's less obscene. So it's not getting as much attention. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because at some point in America, and I think probably the world, and this may have been fueled by hipsters, beards became like a a thing, like a statement, like a, a cool guy thing. They did? And I... Well, apparently so when I'm getting the thumbs up from random dudes. Uh-huh. That's weird. Well, I it's just like someone complimenting you on a shirt they like that you're wearing or I don't get complimented by dudes um, about clothes that I wear. Okay. I ju- I just don't. Well, that seems like a thing that could happen. It's like being complimented on your shoes by a man. That might, that might be something that happens. That has never happened to me. Well, maybe you should get some better shoes. I have worn very cool shoes in my day. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And have never been complimented on my shoes. There's and the it's drop not, at the end, everybody. Look, this, is, <laughs> this isn't even a, a straight gay kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just... It's enough already with the fucking beard compliments. Well, apparently you just have a really cool beard. Is someone next going to, oh, your eyebrows. Wow. Hey, man, kudos on those eyebrows. Those are pretty sweet. That's what women do. Women do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Men don't do that. Okay. In my estimation, maybe I'm speaking out of school. It has been my experience over the course of the many decades I have existed on this planet. I don't get. I listen. Well, I'll just say what I don't do. I don't compliment dudes on. Hey, man, that's a. You got some sweet arm hair there. Uh. Well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, have you ever complimented someone on their shirt, though, or their hair, or anything like that? Not a random that I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe someone that like a, a person I know who's Dre man. I like the uh, I like the combo you got there. That's cool. Someone I know. Uh huh. But not some random guy at the taco shop. Yeah, I don't know. It's too much. <laughs> it's too. It, and also, I don't know that I throw off this air of familiarity. I don't throw off this. Oh, there's an approachable character I can just walk up to and just randomly. I think you do. You do? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know me. You have a lovable Jesse D vibe about <laughs> you. 
I mean, wow. you just said it yourself. You wear some real cool shoes. Oh, you. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. God damn. <laughs> I don't think I said I wear okay. real cool so shoes. So are you trimming the beard or what? Are no, you going to get rid of this thing that's attracting way too much attention? You're getting too much love from strangers. I don't know. I think I have trimmed the sides down a fair amount. So mm-hmm. it's not like bushy mountain man homeless style. Yeah. But it's just a little longer. Okay. I, let's see. Even this. This is too much it is, about the it's, beard. It's too, too much. beard talk. Yeah. I'm pretending to care. Yeah. Well, and I it's d- hard. And I don't even care. <laughs> I'm getting mad. I, I'm getting real mad you, about you the goddamn. Don't make a spectacle of me. Don't compliment me on my hair color. Don't compliment me on the length or the styling of my fucking hair that comes out of my face. So this reminds me of what just happened the other day when we were at the beach and this old guy comes up behind us. (laughs) This is going to go extra long. Uh, Go ahead. This this was very weird. He comes up behind us on a bike. On a tricycle. How old do you think he was? He was probably 75 years old, maybe 80 years old, on one of those like beach tricycles. Right. With like a basket in the front and a basket in the back. Yeah, so we're walking and he pulls in front of us and on stops. On the sidewalk adjacent to the beach. Right. So he pulls up in front of us and stops on his bike. He's like, how tall are you? And to, to which I replied, uh, about six foot three. Yeah. And then he says, no, her. <laughs> Referencing me. And I say, 5'10". Like, I'm super <laughs> confused as to what's happening. And then he... He goes off on this tangent, and we don't really know what he was saying. I couldn't understand what he was saying. And, and then he stops again after, like, riding for a while. Stops again. We come up behind him. And then he starts asking about some WNBA player. No, that, no. College. College. Oh. College basketball. Woman's college basketball. So someone Brit- even less likely to be known. Brittany someone. And then I guessed she was from the University of Connecticut because he was wearing UConn gear Head to fucking toe. Yeah, and then after you said University of Connecticut, he said, yeah, guess which school? It was just the weirdest (laughs) thing. It was the weirdest thing, but that hasn't happened to me for a long time where a random person asks how tall I am because I'm not like Gwendolyn Christie height. You know, she's 6'3". She's in the Game of Thrones. She's Brienne of Tarth. Wow, nerding out here. Nice. And um, it's the only character I know. And... Um, you know, I'm not that tall, so it was weird to be stopped. That's why I didn't even respond. You answered him. You're not freakishly tall. I even thought, what what a weird question for me, because I'm not freakishly tall. Yeah, so we were both confused. This doesn't make sense that someone is stopping us to ask how tall we are. Not that tall. Look, I've said it on the show before when I was accosted at one point in a a Trader Joe's, (laughs) is don't make a spectacle of me or anyone else for that matter. You know, Nikki from the Netherlands called in and she talked about having been at a grocery store one time and someone, because she's blind, she's being fussed over and and made a spectacle at the register when she's trying to pay. Like they were trying to help her or something. I think it went even beyond that. It was like making, oh, it's so great. You can do this on your... Yeah, which is... Look, she's not cognitively disabled. No. She's... Seeing impaired. I I can walk around. I have red hair. Great. Yeah, people have red hair. I have a beard. I have face. I have hair that grows out of my face. Sometimes it's longer than others. 
Shut up. Shut the fuck up. It's not a big deal. Okay. I'm real mad about yeah, it. Yeah, I think you need to <laughs> take a sip of your mimosa there and ah. relax a bit, okay? All right. Before I have a conniption, let's move on to a little listener feedback. We have an email and a voicemail. First, let's get to the voicemail. Hi, guys. This is Sean from Kansas. I really love the show. In fact, I just became a Patreon. So I just wanted to say hey, and I would like to say that I don't really agree that Brittany is the best part. I think you're both equally the best parts of the show. However, (laughs) if I had to pick one of you who was slightly more of a better part than the other, I suppose I would pick Brittany. All right, I got to go. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. That sounds like Brittany's the best part. So, (laughs) If I had a gun to my head and I had to choose which one of you was the best part, it'd be Brittany. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sean. I just can't fucking win. Absolutely, thank you, Sean. If I have anything to say, it would be you didn't have to wait until you were a Patreon supporter to call in. The number, which for future reference, everybody, it should be in your speed dial, is 657-464-7609. It is open and freely available to everyone, not just our loyal Patreon supporters. Even people that hate you, like the opening of the podcast. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And everyone gets a platform, everyone. Apparently, I'm a pussball, everybody. All right, let's move on with a little listener email. And this is this happens all the time where someone will write in and say, hey, what the fuck? Why are you not talking about this? Normally, we don't address it. But in this case, uh, I think we're gonna. So this is from Lisa. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I'm a fairly new listener. I think I discovered the show in late summer, early fall, and I am loving it. Welcome. As a recovering Republican and survivor of Christian schools, you guys speak my language. In today's show, you discuss the Donald shitting on his supporters. Have you heard about Trump's denial of his campaign manager grabbing and shoving Breitbart reporter Michelle Fields? Here is an interview with Michelle and Megyn Kelly on the incident. And then she linked to a YouTube video. Sadly, both the Trump campaign and Michelle's now former employer, Breitbart News, have attempted to diminish and or flat out deny the incident ever occurred, despite video footage and witnesses. Michelle says in the interview, quote, if this is what they do to someone who supported Trump, what would they do to anyone else? I think that question perfectly captures why Trump and his cronies are so dangerous. Just wanted to pass this along since it has boggled my mind in the past few days. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the great show. Uh, Absolutely, Lisa. Um, Two things, absolutely. Absolutely, you're welcome for the great show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and welcome. And yeah, absolutely. Thank you for for listening. The The other thing would be... It, some things we just don't get to cover because it's just part and parcel for being a Trump. However, this case is a little different. And we were going to get to this because she has filed criminal charges against Corey Lewandowski, who she alleges jerked her by the arm. Mm-hmm. There's a Washington Post reporter who is wit- who, who was witness to this and is corroborating 
the story. So it's not just someone out with a vendetta. It's someone from, you know, respectable mainstream media who also witnessed it. This Corey Lewandowski guy, he's also in the news recently, just the last couple days, because he was seen harassing, pushing, getting aggressive with a protester at the Tucson, Arizona rally recently. He's, this guy's a piece of work. He's got his pseudo, like kind of a, I used to be in the military haircut. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in the military. Oh, he wasn't. Oh, no. He looks, but when you look at him, you think, oh, that guy maybe was former army or former Marines. I did think that. Yeah, no, he's not. I think he does that on purpose. I have no evidence of this. In fact, you got to be careful with the Trump campaign because they're a bunch of litigious cunts. But he, I think it's calculated that he wears his hair like that to make it look like, oh, maybe he was... To look know, intimidating. Yeah, or, or maybe not even intimidating, but, you know, there's a lot of respect that goes along with having served. Oh, thank you for your service. You know, people find out that I was in the Marine Corps. I get, I, I get that all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for your service, blah, blah, blah. Um, and usually it's very heartfelt, but I think having your hair cut like that for no other reason than, you know, it's not like he's just super f- former police officer or something. Mm-hmm. He's always been kind of an egghead. So it is deplorable what is happening on that side, on the Trump campaign. And I really hope that this case brought by Michelle Fields goes somewhere. Because there is video evidence, there is audio evidence, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, it is certainly cause for alarm. Well, and Megyn Kelly having her on, giving her a platform to tell her story, probably wasn't helpful for this ongoing feud that her and Donald Trump are engaged in. Which Megyn is, Kelly and Donald Trump. Right, yeah. which is now flared up once again, and he's trying to give her the name Crazy Megan. He keeps tweeting Crazy Megan. Right, right. So, great. Well, Fox News came out in support of their anchor, which some, I think it is arguable whether it's it's something that they should have done, but I'm in favor. Of, I think it's, I'm a fan of it. Some Some will say that they're a media organization. They shouldn't be releasing statements. They shouldn't be getting involved. But, um, you know, if one of your employees is being attacked, I think it is the stand-up thing to do to respond. So, all right, let's move on. We have one piece of follow-up before we do. And that is in reference to Sheriff of Bingham County in Idaho, Craig Rowland, who we talked about last time, who said that most rapes that are reported in his jurisdiction are consensual sex well we looked a little deeper into this and there there is actually a movement a legislative movement going forward right now in idaho that would take pretty good strides forward about dealing with rape and the aftermath uh as far as the legal system is concerned Idaho lawmakers signed off on a statewide system for collecting and tracking DNA evidence of sexual assault Tuesday, despite objections from a rural sheriff who said they should stay out of it because many rape accusations are false. He said most, not just many. I want to clarify that. I didn't write this. I, so don't, I know. don't go yelling at me, okay? It's the beard. I can't. I, I just can't, I can't help it. And the shoes. Okay. <laughs> 
The measure would create standards on how medical clinics use rape kits to collect fluids after a suspected sexual assault. It would also implement a timeline if law enforcement agencies decide to send the evidence to a state forensic laboratory for testing, unless the victim requests otherwise. The agencies would need approval from their county prosecutor if they don't think a rape kit should be tested. The legislation now heads to Governor Butch Otter, who has not said whether he will sign the bill into law. That That's his real name, everybody. Butch Otter. Mm-hmm. Like the animal and like the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually being alerted here now. Brittany's waving her hands around a little bit maniacally like there's an emergency situation. Apparently there is breaking news right now that is going to preempt our mid-roll talking about Patreon, and also it's going to preempt even our Dollamocracy segment. What is the breaking news, Brittany Page? You guys, out of everything that Donald Trump has done, <laughs> this this is finally the nail in the coffin. It, this is the last straw. This, this is it. And I haven't heard anyone else reporting this. So you're getting like the best information right now. The okay? straw... That broke the proverbial camel's back. Yes. This is it for you. Okay. So the Wall Street Journal conducted a review of hundreds of court cases involving Donald Trump and his businesses in federal and state courts since the 1980s. Because again, he seen he tends to be very litigious. Yes. Donald Trump or his companies, were defendants in the bulk of these cases. In more than 50 lawsuits, ranging from contract disagreements to fights over his brand, Mr. Trump or one of his companies were the plaintiff. And then they give a list of these many, many lawsuits. (laughs) Okay, but there's one in particular that is absolutely just disgusting. Brittany has done her digging, everybody. This is horrific. Okay, are you guys guys ready? (laughs) When a series of concerts at the Trump Taj Mahal Casino in Atlantic City didn't come off as he wanted, he filed a lawsuit alleging, among other things, that the band Earth, Wind & Fire wasn't A-list talent. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Wow. What? That is a personal affront. This is disgusting. This is, the, I mean, he, 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 he may as well have, have blasphemed against Jesus himself, right? This needs to be the opening question at the next debate. <laughs> if there is one. This needs to be read back to him. He called them a B-list artist. I, I read the court documents. I took time to do this. <laughs> We're actually, this isn't a fucking joke either. This is a real deal. They had an agreement that Earth, Wind & Fire was labeled a B artist. This is disgusting. This is offensive. Because, as Brittany explained to me, in great lengthy detail, Earth, Wind & Fire, who we've talked about on the show before, they sell out multiple dates in a row at the Hollywood Bowl. So they must be A-list. Okay, but listen... They need to play a montage of Earth, Wind, and Fire songs at the next debate and then just just throw it back to Donald Trump and say, A-list, really? I mean, this needs to be fact-checked. <laughs> this is pants on fire lying. This is, this is disgusting. Well, are you going to counter Sue or what, what, do you, uh, what do you have planned? No, I mean, 
If anyone was thinking of voting for Donald Trump before, this should be the thing that finally solidifies in their mind <laughs> that he has horrible, horrible judgment. Horrible judgment. Can't be trusted. I, uh, I well, I tend to agree maybe for different reasons, though. That's, uh, that's good information, Brittany. Thank you for doing this as the, the due diligence, this investigative work. I'm sure the audience very much appreciates you breaking in to the regularly scheduled program to let us know. Sick. Moving on. Sad. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So once again, we would like to thank Sean, our latest Patreon supporter, joining the growing army, the family of I doubt it with Dolomore. We appreciate it very much. And we thank you very, very much. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, rather than start the Dollamocracy segment today talking about Donald Trump, we will get to that. Uh, But first, I want to talk about this SCOTUS stuff, all this Supreme Court nomination stuff. Uh, Chris Wallace on his Fox News program had... Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on the show to talk about the stonewalling by the Republicans and and really pressed him to give him some legitimate answers as to why the Republicans are not giving an up or down vote or a hearing, at the very least, to Merrick Garland, the latest Obama nominee to the court in the wake of the passing of Antonin Scalia. And this is how it went down. Uh, Harry Reid, when he was uh, back in uh, 2005, said the president nominates, but the Senate doesn't have to vote. Uh, Chuck Schumer, who will be the next Democratic leader, said in 2007 they wouldn't confirm that Democrats were in the majority in the Senate. They wouldn't confirm a Bush appointment to the Supreme Court if one occurred within 18 months of a presidential election. So all we're doing, Chris, is following a long-standing tradition of not filling vacancies on the Supreme Court in the middle of a presidential election year. I am going to ask uh, Mr. McDonough about the Biden rule in a moment, but, but frankly, isn't there a fair amount of hypocrisy on both sides here? Right now, President Obama is calling for an up or down vote on his nominee. You oppose that, but back in, in 2005, when George W. Bush was president, you made exactly the same argument that Barack Obama is making now. Take a look, sir. In a democracy, an up or down vote should be given to a president's judicial nominees. It's complicated, it's simple, it's fair, it worked for 229 years, and it has served us well. Senator, if an up or down vote for a judicial nominee is simple, fair, and a principle that has served us for 229 years, I guess now it's over 230 years, if, it was, if that's true then, is it still true? 
Yeah, what we're talking about apples and oranges. That comment was not in connection with the Supreme Court vacancy. What we're talking about here, here's the factual situation. But it's still a judicial nominee, yeah, the Supreme sir. Court, no, you, you know, they're not the same. The Supreme Court is very different from the other courts. No, it is not. No, it is not. Let me, well, first of all, th this just goes to the thing that you and I talk about on the show all the time, Brittany, <laughs> of these idiot politicians who seem to not understand that there are there's video at the very least there's audio of them saying things that are it's going to come back to bite them in the ass. Well, I just think they don't they don't care, right? It's whatever they can say in that moment to save their ass and the the point that they're trying to make. At, well, it it must be because there isn't a difference relative to the powers of advice and consent of the Senate in approving, giving a fair hearing to, approving or disapproving of a nominee. There's not. In the U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, this is talking about the president. He shall have power by and with the advice and consent of the United States Senate to make treaties provided two-thirds of the senators present concur and he shall nominate, the president, shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers, and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States. So it is a, a two-handed thing. The left hand appoints, the right hand either approves or disapproves of the appointment. Mm-hmm. So what he's doing here, he's, they are—they really are. When you hear these terms being thrown around about the Senate abdicating its duties under the Constitution, that is what they're doing. If they don't give an up or down vote, just have the moral courage, have the political courage, Mitch McConnell, to have hearings for Merrick Garland and then fucking vote no and then disapprove of the appointment as is required by the Constitution. Right. What we're talking about here is a Supreme Court vacancy in the middle of a presidential election year made by a lame duck president who is on the way out the door and the impact that will have on this court for the next quarter of a century. That is the issue before us right now. Again, I just read from the Constitution. It doesn't say he shall have the power in the first three years of his presidency. It says he shall have the power, period. Mm -hmm. While he is president, during his term, he shall have the power to nominate. And the Senate, you say yes or no. So Mitch McConnell needs to do his fucking job. And if they're going to say no, then just say no. I'm not even making a judgment about whether he should say yes or no. But not even giving him a hearing, not even meeting with him. Right. They're not even going to say yes or no. no. They're just saying, oh, we're not going to do it. anything. Yeah. Right. Abdication of their duties. Some of your Republican colleagues are already suggesting that if the, your side, if the GOP loses the election 
in November that perhaps they would consider Judge Garland in a lame duck session because, in fact, he might be more moderate than, let's say, Hillary Clinton's nominee would be. Uh, here is Republican Senator Jeff Flake. I think Republicans are fully justified in doing what we're doing, uh, waiting. And, uh, but if we happen to lose the election, then uh, I think we ought to push him through quickly if we can. Senator, is Jeff Flake wrong? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, look, uh, Barack Obama calling judge, uh, uh, this judge uh, a moderate doesn't make him a moderate. This judge would move the court dramatically to the left. He's enthusiastically supported by MoveOn.org. I don't think they'd be signing up and be also in, all this enthusiastic about a liberal judge. Look, the principle is the same, whether it's before the election or after the election. The principle is the American people are their next president, and their next president should pick this Supreme Court. Which totally flies in the face of the Constitution of the United States, to which you swore an oath to support and defend. You're not acting in good faith of your duties as a United States Senator, Majority Leader McConnell. The other thing is, and this it becomes very clear here, they're not even trying to, to mask what they're doing. He says, oh, well, he's too liberal. He would, he would push the direction of the decisions of the court for the next 25 years. Mm-hmm. Well, then vote no. Right. Then vote no. It sounds like you want to vote no. Right. That, that's exactly <laughs> it. So you think you're going to get better nominees when Hillary Clinton is in office? Because mm -hmm. there's not a fucking chance that Donald Trump... Well, first of all, you don't even know who Donald Trump would pick. Ivanka. <laughs> One of those knucklehead, mouth-breathing sons of his? Eric or Donald Jr. Who knows? Anyway, Mitchell Melania. That would be real good. <laughs> He'd probably just put uh, that little, the little one. Baron. Baron. Why do I know all of their names? I don't know. This is horrible. Well, I think there's also a Brittany, is there not? No, there's a Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany. Mm -hmm. See, you do know. Yeah. Wow, that is... You were testing me. That is real alarming. Ugh. All right, let's... Horrific. <laughs> let's move on. What do you guys have to say about this? I really... I want to know. I, I think everybody would, would agree... And I want to hear those, but I also want to hear disagreement. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Let's move on to a little Hillary Clinton. And at this latest town hall meeting, she was asked a question by a man named Ricky Jackson, who was wrongly accused in 1975 of murder he spent 39 years in prison some of that on death row being wrongly convicted he has since been exonerated after almost 40 years sickening in unbelievable prison. and he asked as is what you do at a town hall they have citizens ask questions of the politicians he asked hillary clinton about this very thing the death penalty. I came perilously close to my own execution. And um, in light of that, what I've just shared with you, and in light of the fact that there are, un there are documented cases of innocent people who have been executed in our country, I would like to know how can you still 
take your stance on the death penalty in light of what we you know right now? You. you know, this is such a profoundly difficult question. And what I have said and what I continue to believe is that the states have proven themselves incapable of carrying out fair trials that give any defendant all the rights that defendant should have, all the support that the defendant's lawyer should have. And I've said I would breathe a sigh of relief if either the Supreme Court or the states themselves began to eliminate the death penalty. Well, and here's where it gets good, but I would breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, man who was in prison for 40 years, some of that on death row, I would be I'm in your I'm on your I'm on your team. Right. I'm in your corner, Ricky Jackson. Mm. If the states would do that or the Supreme Court would rule, oh, what a beautiful day. Where I end up is this, and maybe it's a, a distinction that is hard to support, but Yikes. Yeah. at this point, given the challenges we face from terrorist activities primarily in our country that end up under federal jurisdiction for very limited purposes, I think it can still be held in reserve for those. And the kind of crimes I'm thinking of are the bombing in Oklahoma City where an American terrorist blew up the government building, killing, as I recall, 158 Americans, including a number of children who were in the preschool program. The plotters and the people who carried out the attacks on 9-11 but a very limited use of it in cases where there has been horrific mass killings. That's really the exception that I still am struggling with and that would only be in the federal system. But what happened to you was a travesty and I just can't even imagine what you went through and how terrible those days and nights must have been for all those years and I know that all of us are so regretful that you or any person has to go through what you did and I hope that now that you are standing here before us that you will have whatever path in life you choose uh, going forward and that you will get the support you deserve to have. I have to ask Rick, Ricky, is that, you, is, is that answer satisfactory for you? Yes, thank you very much. So I would love to hear Bernie Sanders give a response to that man. It would be a lot shorter than that. Without knowing that Hillary Clinton had given a response. Because even when Hillary Clinton, you know, started just talking about the personal aspect of it for what happened to him. At the very end, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't come across as super genuine. Uh, and it, uh, what What's that say right there? I can't read it from here. Not genuine. Okay. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it didn't come across as genuine. And 
it's really unfortunate because I, I don't know if she was thrown by the question. It was obvious that she was having a very difficult Listen, time choosing her words. It's the death penalty. It's it's like being asked about fucking abortion. It's a it's not. What do you think about the specifics of the tr- trade between us and Sumatra? Well, why it's was something she very very basic? Why was she fumbling through her words? Because she thinks that the death penalty should be invoked should be a power of the federal government. And she's facing down someone who spent four fucking decades of his life falsely imprisoned at risk of death at the hands of the government. She's looking at someone who who was a victim of the same policy she supports. The other thing is, is how she very tried to be skillful in pivoting to terror. The thing of it is, and even if you do support the death penalty for terror, I might be able to be persuaded to support that view. But even if that's the case, that's the beauty of legislation. That's the beauty of governance. That's the beauty of fucking leadership, Hillary Clinton. You can have legislation written, drawn up, that you could sign as president that would put only certain crimes under the scope of a death penalty conviction. If you rob a liquor store, you could say, nope, that's life imprisonment if someone dies. For terror, it could be something completely different. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Legislation doesn't have to be that. She failed and she fails continually, especially where it relates to the death penalty. She's wrong. And she looked this man in the eyes and gave a terrible answer. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Ugh. What would the uh, Republican candidates say to this guy, though? I mean, it would be even worse, right? So does that make her answer less shitty because they would be worse? No, I'm just saying comparing the answers. I would love to hear all of their answers, I can only imagine what Donald Trump would say to this man. Oh, he's... Oh, right. You mean actually answering the man? Yes. What the answer would be like to the man, not what yeah. their answer on the death penalty No, is. he would be yeah, like, yeah. Oh, sorry about that, dude. Whatever. Right. He would like, USA, USA. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, in, in, in other Hillary Clinton news... Uh, some information just recently uh, arose. I don't know if this was in the course of the FBI investigation or not, but some information arose about her request for a secure smartphone upon taking the office of Secretary of State that apparently was denied. Newly released emails show a 2009 request to issue a secure government smartphone to then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was denied by the National Security Agency, NSA. The messages were made public Wednesday, and they were obtained by Judicial Watch, a conservative legal advocacy group that has filed numerous lawsuits seeking the release of federal documents related to Clinton's tenure as the nation's top diplomat. The Democratic presidential frontrunner has come under intense scrutiny for her decision to use a private email server located in the basement of her New York home to route messages, including some containing sensitive information. Security experts have raised concern that the arrangement could have left the messages vulnerable to attack by hackers, including those working for foreign intelligence agencies. Clinton's desire for a secure BlackBerry-like device 
like that provided to President Barack Obama, is recounted in a series of February 2009 exchanges between high-level officials at the State Department and NSA. Clinton was sworn in as secretary the prior month and had become, quote, hooked on reading and answering emails on a BlackBerry she used during the 2008 presidential race. Donald R. Reed, the department's assistant director for security infrastructure, said, We began examining our options for Secretary Clinton with respect to secure BlackBerry-like communications. The current state of the art is not too user-friendly, has no infrastructure at state, and is very expensive. That's what he wrote at the time, and that is why her request was denied. Even Obama was denied a fucking iPhone. He wanted a BlackBerry or an iPhone, Mm -hmm. and at the time... They told the president of the United States, sorry, buddy, that's not going to happen. It's a it's a security risk. So it's only because she didn't go in a very leadership style like Obama did, along with the recommendations of the security infrastructure in place at the time. The, the, the National Security Agency, you know, the, the people who know she chose to go another route rather than just following the advice of those around her. Right. All right. Well, let's move on to a little Donald Trump. He was recently on. This is goddamn serious. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. Donald Trump was on with Joe Scarborough and his co-host, whom I never know her name, and was asked about who he would choose to be advisors for his foreign policy And Donald Trump gave a remarkably stupid answer. So, Donald, um, you have been pretty confident that you can do this from the get-go. I think people now are realizing you are on a path to the nomination. Um, Who are you talking to consistently since we have some dire foreign policy issues uh, percolating around the world right now? Who are you consulting with consistently so that you're ready on day one? I'm speaking with myself, number one, because I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things. In fact, in my book in 2000. Wait, did, did you hear that, Brittany? I sure did. I'm speaking with myself, number one, because I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things. I, <laughs> I wish this is how it worked, like in the world of um, academia, where, you know, I'm writing my thesis and everything has to be sourced and I have to, like, explain what the rationale is for my research question. It needs to be right. based on other research. I wish I could just say, oh, no, I mean, I'm just getting all this from my own brain and I just think this is a pretty good idea. When you and... have to stand to defend your thesis, you could just say, I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things. Yeah, I have a great brain. Look, just I, roll with it, guys. I've said a lot of things in this paper, <laughs> and I have a good brain. So everything's good. <laughs> this guy wants to be the president. Yes, yes. I don't know what to say anymore. I, don't I know talked what to about say. Osama bin Laden, and I do remember somebody putting the book in front of Joe and Joe say, no way he talked about it, no way he wrote about Osama bin Laden before the World Trade Center came down. And they said, no, he really did. And I remember Joe looking at it in the book saying, I don't believe it, that's amazing, okay? So, so I know what I'm doing, and I listen to a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people. Let's, let's address that before we move on, Brittany Page. He claims to have written about the impending threat of Osama bin Laden as though he was prognosticating 
the 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 events of 9/11. Well, these claims have been fact-checked, and although he did use the word, the name Osama bin Laden in his book from the year 2000, it's not exactly in the light that he says it was. So factcheck.org says the America we deserve, which was published in January 2000, makes a single reference to bin Laden. It doesn't warn, quote, we better be careful with this guy named Osama bin Laden. It doesn't say the U.S., quote, better take him out. And Trump's reference to bin Laden as someone, quote, nobody really knew at the time is wrong as well. This is the segment from his book that mentions bin Laden. Right. Oh, you've you've got this the actual segment from the book, the text from the book. Yes. All right. Only because of factcheck.org. Right on. I did Let's not go it. dig this up like the Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> documents. Okay. Right. Instead of one looming crisis hanging over us, we face a bewildering series of smaller crises, flashpoints, standoffs, and hotspots. We're not playing the chess game to end all chess games anymore. We're playing tournament chess, one master against many rivals. One day, we're all assured that Iraq is under control. The UN inspectors have done their work. Everything's fine. Not to worry. The next day, the bombings begin. One day, we're told that a shadowy figure with no fixed address named Osama bin Laden is public enemy number one, and U.S. jet fighters lay waste to his camp in Afghanistan. He escapes back under some rock, and a few news cycles later, it's on to a new enemy and new crisis. Well, none of that said, we need to take him out. None of that said that he was going to be at the helm of the largest terror attack in the history of the United States. None of that. Again, are we surprised that Donald Trump is lying? <laughs> no. Or exaggerating or whatever he is doing here, um, acting like he has all this knowledge or had all this knowledge. I love as though he's he's acting like, you know, his foreign policy knowledge is just spontaneously something that appears in his head. I'm speaking with myself, number one, because I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things. <laughs> Sorry, it's too good not to play. I mean, it's not like people actually go to school for years to understand international relations, right. political science. These are complicated issues. Th these are subjects that have doctoral level study. And he's he's acting like, oh, I've said some really great things in the past. I'm just going off of the things that I think spontaneously in my head. That's right. good enough. Yeah. Ugh. I'm just, I'm going to stop it there. The, the clip goes on for about two more minutes, but I don't want to bore the audience with more drivel from the orange face of Donald Trump. Here, though, let, let, let's hear from a Donald Trump supporter, a loyal Donald Trump supporter. David Duke on his radio program, I don't know whether it's an actual radio program or if it's just uh, me, an idiot with a microphone in front of him. <laughs> but uh, David Duke had a lot to say in support of Donald Trump, including one of the benefits of a Donald Trump candidacy is the fact that he's making Hitler real palatable again. The reason there's a war on Donald Trump is because there's a war on the real America. There's a war on the European-American majority of the United States of America. You know, the media has been the ones that's in, they've been the ones inciting hatred and violence. They, they have portrayed Donald Trump as a vicious racist who basically 
you know, wants to create a Hitlerian regime. That's what they present him as, which is, of course, the biggest boogie man and the most hateful thing these days you can say about somebody. There's millions of movies, <laughs> programs, speeches invoking. That is like a- I love I, I was not going to stop it, but I couldn't help myself. I, I love that he he asserts or the way he's acting, he's laughing off that racism being called a racist is a bad thing that he's oh <laughs> those crazy liberals they think being called a racist that's the worst thing you can be or even being associated with hitler is not a bad thing <laughs> right, right that's what he's saying and that's <laughs> right. that's a commonly held belief in these communities where they revere hitler still right. to this day invoking the great satan you know in our society and that's what they invoke of donald trump you know and and whatever you want to say about donald trump there's there's no, you know, there's no way you can say any of this stuff. It's crazy. But they say this, right? So, but what's going on? And the truth is, by the way, they might be rehabilitating that fellow with the mustache back there in, in Germany. Because they, they, I, I saw a commercial against Donald Trump, really vicious commercial, and comparing what Donald Trump said about preserving America and making America great again to Hitler in Germany, preserving Germany, making Germany great again and free again, and not beholden to the uh, to the these communists on one side politically who are trying to destroy their land and their freedom, and the Jewish capitalists on the other who are ripping off the nation through their banking system. We have the same thing going on here with Goldman Sachs. And it was a commercial. I saw that uh, this morning, and I was amazed by that commercial. It was a commercial against Trump. But I don't think it's having the effect that they want it to have. So this war that's going on against Donald Trump is really a war going on against America. It's a war going on against the European-American majority. The media has incited hatred and violence and repression of Donald Trump. The media has incited violence against Donald Trump? Yeah, reporting accurately on the things that Donald Trump says and does that's not the problem here right Th- that means that Donald Trump is the problem how it's wonderful. what he's saying that is causing this how great for Donald Trump to have his emissary David Duke out there speaking the truth for him and the tens of thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people who support him and that's what happened in Chicago you know if you love your country And if you love, or at least what your country is supposed to represent, what originally represented, because I don't know if we can love everything our government, we certainly can't love everything our government, our country is doing today because the leaders of this country, the people who have control of this country, are purposefully wiping, if you're a European person, the government's purposely wiping you out and your families and your children. So what he means there, he's giving a veiled reference to this phrase that is thrown about in these communities, which is white genocide. White genocide. And so they talk about diversity as if it is white genocide. Right. If if I were to marry a black woman. That is white genocide. That's white genocide because my babies are no longer white, pure little white babies. Now they're. Half black, half white. Right. So they're going further with these conspiratorial uh, ideas. Ideas is, I think that's given them a lot of credit <laughs> yeah. to give them full, that, that it's a full idea that they've come up with. Right. And they're, na- they're now saying that, that the government is in the business of white genocide, of white ethnic cleansing. Yes. That is the belief now. All right. Final 30 seconds. 
and your future. They're purposely transforming this country to a third world nation. <laughs> and if you want to see the direction of this country, just look at a communist here, Bernie Sanders, you know, running on getting, winning a lot of victories in major states. Who's a former communist and is a Marxist right now, folks. What I think Donald Trump, sorry, David Duke, it's easy to. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, look, do I really need to come up with some kind of uh, invective to describe David Duke or even Donald Trump for that matter? I mean, goddamn, this is, <laughs> this is ridiculous. All of this. And the problem is, look, I realize, and I get called out on this on YouTube constantly by white supremacist idiots, that Donald Trump cannot control who endorses him. That is fact. That is true. I'll tell you something that Donald Trump can do, and that is he can disavow the support of men like David Duke, of groups like the KKK and white supremacist organizations. He can do that, and he should do that. It's his obligation as a legitimate leader in an open, free society to do so. So that is correct. You can't control who endorses you. But here is David Duke dedicating much of his time right. to discussing how much he loves and admires Donald Trump and how much you know, his views are aligned with what David right. Duke wants. And how much he'll be rehabilitating the image of Adolf fucking Hitler. Now, he's not saying this about Hillary Clinton. He's not saying That's this right. about Bernie Sanders, of course, because he's not He's not even Jewish. saying it about Ted Cruz. Right. So there, <laughs> there's something to that. Absolutely. Um, it can't be just discounted. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty alarming. Uh, it's, it's scary. Scary that, that this is the country in which we live, that there is a large swath, not a majority by any means, but there's a large swath of support for, for the ideas that Donald Trump is espousing. And that's that's alarming. Well, you know, if Donald Trump does end up in a general election, which it's looking likely. There are a lot of people out there who are going to be putting together all kinds of awesome advertisements against him and also just funny little YouTube blurbs like this one from Andrew Claven from The Daily Wire. I'm angry, and so I'm voting for Donald Trump. I'm angry about illegal immigration, and so I'm voting for Donald Trump because he said he would build a huge wall to keep out just the sort of undocumented workers he hired to clear the ground for Trump Tower in New York City, and because he said he'd force all the illegals to leave the country and then let them all back in, and he said he'd limit the number of skilled workers that can come here, and then he said he wouldn't do that, and then he secretly told the New York Times he didn't mean any of it, so I don't really know what the hell he's saying, but I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. I'm angry about Islamic terrorism, so I am voting for Donald Trump because he said he'd register all Muslim Americans in a database so he could track them and that he'd not only torture terrorists, but kill their wives and children. And even if that was against the law, he'd order the military to do it and they'd have to because he would be the president and they'd have to do what he said because this is America where the president doesn't have to obey the law and can do whatever he wants and, and he'll build up the military without it costing anything and okay, none of that makes any sense, but it doesn't matter because I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. 
I'm angry about political correctness, too. And so I'm voting for Donald Trump because he just comes right out and makes fun of handicapped people and short people and anyone who doesn't have as much money as he does, and women especially. He makes fun of their looks and their periods, and he says they should be treated like shit. And I just think that's, I think, actually, that's not exactly politically incorrect. That's more like evil, really. But I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. And, and I'm angry about free trade for some reason, and about people making stuff cheaper overseas so it costs less here and I can afford it. And I'm angry about the Democrats Donald Trump gave money to, and all the money we spend on entitlements that he says he'll keep spending. And so I'm voting for Donald Trump because, because I'm angry, and, and I don't make very good decisions when I'm angry. So maybe I should calm down and vote for someone else who would be like a better president and not such a schmuck. I'm Andrew Claven for The Daily Wire. Pretty good. That is awesome. <laughs> awesome. There's going to be hundreds of these if he gets the nomination mm-hmm. and faces either Hillary, likely Hillary, or Bernie Sanders in a general election. It, I don't see this guy, he doesn't stand a chance because the small minority. It might be right now, it's not even a majority of Republican primary voters who are voting for him. But it is a small percentage of the general electorate. He doesn't stand a chance. He's going to get worked in a general election. And it'll be largely because of this kind of thing. Well, and you've talked about it too, just uh, the Clinton machine, right? Yeah. So if it comes down to Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump, the Clinton machine is going to go after Donald Trump and it's going to be just endless clips of him on Howard Stern. I mean, it's (laughs) going to make him look like a joke. Right. It's going to bring out the fact that he is a joke. That's a better way to put it. So as Brittany just said, the words that Brittany just spoke that might have to be isolated, that I've said it before. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Well. What now? (laughs) Lindsey Graham was on Face the Nation today, and he was talking about exactly what is at stake right now for the Republican Party. I have said for at least a year that we are facing the imminent demise of what we know as the Republican Party. The only problem with what he says, do you have something snarky to say over there, Brittany? No, I I want to say that Lindsey Graham endorsed Ted Cruz. He he did. And Well, no, no, I don't think it's a full endorsement. He's just calling for people to vote. Yes, but so he, he... it, it, it effectively it is an endorsement. You'll yes. remember that Lindsey Graham, we played him roasting the GOP, yes. and he said that basically you could murder Ted Cruz, and <laughs> on the floor of the Senate, yeah, and no one <laughs> would care basically. So he then is telling people to vote for this person, and people have asked him, you know, you made this joke about killing him and no one would care, and now you're saying vote for him, and he said, yeah, I know, I said that, and. You know, he's not my first choice, but this is kind of where we are. So he's being very honest about what's going on. And I think this interview is a great example of his honesty. Absolutely. Well, the the only problem with what he says relative to what I've said in the past is that he's conflating the death of the Republican Party to the death of conservatism. And I don't necessarily think that's true, but 
You be the judge. How many people do you have behind you to really stop Donald Trump? Because right now he's rolling on past all these efforts. 65% of the Republican Party would like to vote for somebody other than Donald Trump. We're about to nominate the one person that not only would lose in 2016, but would destroy the party for decades to come. I'd rather lose without Trump than try to win with him. And if he wants to leave the party, leave. So you won't vote for him if he's the nominee? Uh, Ask me after the convention that question. But I'm making it pretty clear to you that I think Mr. Trump destroys the party that I love. As much as I disagree with Ted Cruz, I think he's a real Republican. So A real Republican. (laughs) Which might be true, actually. So I just want to note that this is really bothering me because he's he's basically saying in so many words, yeah, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the worst. Yeah. But then when asked, okay, so you're not going to vote for him if he's the nominee, he still refuses to answer. Ask me after the convention. Right. You're you're basically saying it already. Why can't you just come out and say it? I'm not understanding this. And and many different people are doing this. So it's, it's really confusing me because what would it say? If all of these Republicans were to say, no, I'm not going to vote for him, maybe people would listen and say, wow, this is serious because yeah. all of these Republicans are refusing to vote for Donald Trump. Well, really, for me, it's it's writing on the wall that it is the impending death of the party that they won't do it because they fear that the, re- the Republican voters won't follow suit. And if they don't follow suit, that means there is no Republican Party anymore. Mm. So they're really just trying to hold together the the remnants of what used to be a viable political party. Right. So it's tenuous times. He would nominate conservative judges. He will not sell Israel out. He's a reliable Republican conservative. Mr. Trump is an interloper. And what what? A, a demagogue of the greatest proportion. You signed a pledge, though, so you would be willing to break that, break that pledge after. Well, I'm out of the race now. And yeah. here's what I want Republicans to do. We can lose an election, but I don't want us to lose our heart and soul. If we nominate Donald Trump and he carries the banner of the Republican Party, given who he is and what he said about immigrants, about Muslims and young women, we will not just lose the election. We've lost the heart and soul of the conservative movement. That's what's at stake. And I hope John Kasich is listening. John, if I thought you could win, I'd be behind you because you are the most electable candidate. See, that right there is the freaky thing to me. He's saying with his fucking mouth, with the breath in his lungs. Wait, he's not saying it with his ass? (laughs) I was finishing. He's saying it with the breath inside of his lungs. That John Kasich is the most electable. But he's still going to choose Ted Cruz. Politics, you guys. That is what it is. It's bullshit. Total and complete bullshit. Work with Ted to deny Trump 1237 or 1239, whatever the number is. And if you're not willing to work with Ted, then you're hurting the cause. By Kasich going to Utah, you're making it harder for Ted to get 50%. So there it is. Um, not good. It's not looking good for the Republicans and it might not be looking good for the Republicans either way, whether or not Donald Trump becomes the nominee, it might be donezo time. It might be over, which as far as I would be concerned is a good thing. We need to find a more pure political party to replace the Republican party that, uh, 
espouses some political ethos that they can actually stick to, that really protects Americans' liberties, all Americans' liberties, that's not tied to Jesus, that's not tied to archaic religious beliefs that prevents men and women who love one another to marry because of the fact that they are the same sex, that denigrates and holds down races of people. It's not good. The Republican Party, it's long overdue an overhaul of what we know as the Republican Party. So I I see it as a good thing. All right. How about we wrap up the show, Brittany Page, with a little taking care of biz. Taking care of biz. A one-year-old German shepherd named Luna. Wait, wait. A dog is taking care of biz? Well, I'm kind of torn that's, here. I don't know that that's this. I know the story, and I'm not sure that you're being accurate here. Okay, well, it's either the dog or the Navy that's taking care of biz. <laughs> I'm leaning more toward the dog, and let's find out why. A dog who fell off a fishing boat. Now, I know it's not looking promising for yeah, the dog. but dumb <laughs> fucking dog. <laughs> um, a dog who fell off a fishing boat in the Pacific Ocean Derp. had been presumed dead more than a month ago, has now been found alive by Navy officials on an island 80 miles off the coast of San Diego, California. The one-year-old German shepherd named Luna was first reported missing the morning of February 10th, about two miles off of San Clemente Island, by her owner, Nick Hayworth, a fisherman. He told the Navy that Luna was a very powerful swimmer and that he was 90% sure that she'd head for shore. That is, that is odd that he would have that premonition because, or even that, that, that impression because a one-year-old German shepherd, that's practically a puppy. Mm-hmm. For a dog, a one-year-old to be known as a strong swimmer, it's remarkable. Well, she jumped off the fishing boat, it sounds like, uh, two miles off of San Clemente Island. <laughs> so if she's such a great swimmer and she'd head for shore, why did she head for the shore 80 miles away rather than the one two miles? I think there's something going on here. Right, right. Okay, so... The Navy searched the island, um, but with no luck, and they stayed in the area for two or more days to look for her, and after a week, they had considered her lost at sea and presumed dead. But then this past Tuesday morning, the dog- Furry shark food. What? I'm just interrupting you with a mediocre joke. Okay. Furry shark food. Yes. Then this past Tuesday morning, the dog showed up to greet Navy staff arriving on the island for work. They saw Luna just sitting on the side of the road, wagging her tail. (laughs) And there's no domesticated animals on the island, so they were a little confused. But they... The Navy staff was able to identify her. Um, They determined that she had fallen off the boat last month. And other than being a little undernourished, she was perfectly healthy. It just... Hang on. How did that happen? Well, they say that it, it looked as though she had been surviving off of mice for the past few weeks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's taking care of biz, just killing a bunch of mice. 
Yeah, so she made it 80 miles to another shore, survived the ocean, and was eating mice to stay alive. So is that taking care of biz, or is the fact the Navy... Well, the Navy didn't really fucking... They didn't do anything. Yeah, I, I, I was really on the Navy side at the beginning of this. That's why I interrupted you at the beginning. She just popped up on the island. Yeah, they but on. they didn't really fucking find her. No. They just stumbled on her because she's the, on the side of the road wagging her dog tail. Right. Looking for some mice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, good for you, Luna. Yes. Really? What? I got nothing. Okay. (laughs) All right. If you have something to say about this or any other topic that we've covered over the course of the last 203 episodes, you can do it at 657-464-7609 or, of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you would like to support the show other than listening twice a week, go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link there, a glorious link that says support the show. At that link, you'll be able to see all kinds of different ways. I think there's three. (laughs) There is Amazon, there's PayPal, and there's Patreon. Those are really the three main ways to support the show other than listening twice a week. We love you. We appreciate you. You guys are awesome. You make this happen twice a week, and you're beautiful, beautiful people. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Okay, that... (laughs) Wow. What a prick. 